Hey everybody, uh, welcome. So, so good to be with you and to have everybody here. Man, uh, I have just loved worship out here on the lawn where we don't have to wear a mask, we can just let it rip. So, thanks. And thanks for coming out. I know it's a warm evening, but we in Northeast Ohio have learned not to be choosy about our weather. So we are grateful for tonight. It's a beautiful, beautiful night. Listen, last week I mentioned uh, that uh, Jesus said we are to be salt and light. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And at the end of that passage, he said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And I mentioned that that word good, there are two different words for good in the Greek language. One means quality, like this is a good shirt if it's a quality shirt. The other means beautiful, that you can do something that is so beautiful that it arrests people's attention, where they end up saying, I have never seen anything like that, never felt anything quite like that. So I told you that just last week. And then this week, uh, in our Just Because box, we had this story. You know, we're handing out these Just Because cards and trying to kind of spread just uh, random acts of kindness. This is what Terry wrote in. I have worked at the same restaurant for almost half my life, and over the years I've waited on many people, but have always had better luck waiting on young adults. This week I had some young gentlemen that I've waited on before, but not this particular night. Come and hand me $40 along with one of your Just Because cards. On this night, I wasn't making the best tips and was feeling down. I truly believe that God looks out for me and blesses me by putting these young people in my life. I was very touched by this gesture, and then listen to this, and it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it. In a world where everything is so crazy right now, I want people to know that there are good people out there that think about others, and I'm glad and grateful for these young gentlemen. May God bless you abundantly. I just love that. I love that you guys listened just last week, went out and tried to do something beautiful. And somebody watched it and was a recipient of it and just said, I have not seen things like this. I want people to know about this. Let's keep being salt and light. So thanks. All right. Uh, this is the beginning of our seven-week series on 1 John. We're calling it Letter of Love. Letter of Love. John was actually the disciple who was called the disciple that Jesus loved. He actually called himself that, which always made me feel like that was a little egotistical. But the more I thought about what John was like before he met Jesus, the more I started to think of it a little differently. Because when John first met Jesus, Jesus ended up giving John and his brother James a nickname, Sons of Thunder, because they were so impetuous, so hot-headed. So I think that when John refers to himself as the, the disciple that Jesus loved, I think it was one of amazement. I think he was saying, can you believe that Jesus loves even me? Can you believe it? I feel like that a lot. I hope you do too. But John picks up in 1 John, where he left off in his gospel. At the end of the gospel of John, John says, I could have written a lot more things, but these things I have written, 
that you might believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. Let me read the first of four verses of 1 John, and then we'll talk about it. It's what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is God's word, and it's true. I love all four of those verses. I love them for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons is that the entire kind of core of the letter of 1 John is hidden in those four verses. Uh, First, he tells us that we can know God. You can know God. And then he says, you can know that you know God. And then finally, what you do when you know God. So you can know God. You can know you know And then what to do when you know. Okay, first, you can know God. Really, all four verses are about knowing God. But verse 3, he says this, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. He uses that word fellowship. Throughout the letter, he's going to use fellowship with God, walking with God and knowing God interchangeably. And he says, when you have fellowship with God, when you know God, it will lead to joy. It will lead to joy. Just uh, FYI, there are two different types of joy. There is joy that falls like rain, and there is joy that kind of can be underneath your life, almost like like an underground river, like an underground spring. Uh, A joy that falls like rain are different things that happen to us that are just great things. Things that God gives us, blessings that we enjoy. But the underground spring is something that is not connected to circumstances. It's connected to this relationship that we have with God. And you want both types of joy, but if you have to choose, choose the underground river because it's so much more stable. And that's what John is talking about in this letter of 1 John. In the book of Exodus, there's a fascinating story about Moses. Uh, Moses is with God up on Mount Sinai, and he asks God that he says, "Uh, God, I I want you to show me your glory. And what he's saying is, I want to see all of you. I want the whole shebang. I want to really know you. And God does something that's very strange. God says, well, uh, Moses, no. You can't know me like that. You can't see me like that. You you can't see my face and live. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to let you see my back. Now, the question is, what's the difference between God's face and God's back? And the answer is intimacy. Intimacy. When you see someone's face, there's a stronger connection 
than when you can't see their face, which is one of the reasons why wearing a mask is so frustrating, especially with people that you know, people that you love and care about. You want to see their face. You know, I always think of that song. It's a song that was around years ago. It says, the first time ever I saw your face. And it's a love song because that's the beginning of intimacy is being able to see someone's face. And God tells Moses, you can't be that intimate with me. And then John comes along and he says, something has changed with the way we can know God because of Jesus. This is the way Paul the Apostle talks about it in 2 Corinthians. He says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Paul says is that we get to know God in a way that Moses longed to know God. And the reason is because now we can see the face of Jesus. So John starts by saying, you can know God. If you are here and you are not a Christian, that is the most astounding thing anyone can ever tell you, that you can know God. And if you are here and you are a Christian, what I am telling you is something that you ought to every once in a while just stop and let that just kind of soak in to your psyche and realize that out of all the things in this universe, the greatest thing in the whole universe is that you can know God, and you can know God because of Jesus. But then the question is, how do you know you know? How can you know you know? Well, the short answer is this. Something changes. Actually, a lot changes. And when I say a lot changes, I mean a lot changes when you know God, not when you know about him. You can know a lot about God and never change. You can know a lot about the Bible you can know, you can come to this church a lot. You can be a member of here for a long time. You can know all about God and not change. In fact, if you have not changed in the last few years, if you are the same person that you were five years ago, the chances are you do not know God, or at least you are not getting to know him better. You may be knowing a lot about him, but you don't really know him. The reason I say that is because when you are in relationship, relationship changes you. Always, always. All right. My wife, Karen, wants a dog. Uh, I don't have a dog, uh, and I don't want a dog, but she does, right? And the reason she wants a dog is that she thinks about a dog, and she thinks all the ways that it will change our life for the good. When I think about a dog, I think about all the ways a dog will change my life to the bad. Right? So we both agree that getting a dog will absolutely change our lives. All right. I don't know if you noticed, you had to notice in the first few verses that I read in 1 John chapter 1, that John is kind of underlying the fact that Jesus is real. He says, that which we have seen with our eyes that which we heard with our ears, that which we touched with our hands, this word of life, this one who has come. Why is he doing that? He's trying to make sure that people don't make Jesus up. He's saying Jesus is real. He's a real person. 
We saw him, we heard him, we touched him. And the reason he does that is because that's a temptation of all of all of us is to make God up. And I hear people do that all the time. They'll say, well, my God is like this, or I think of God like that. It's like an imaginary friend. It's like an imaginary dog. I, I wouldn't mind having an imaginary dog. If Karen wants an imaginary dog, I'm all for it, right? Because an imaginary dog won't really change me. I can tell you how much I love that dog. I can tell you how great that dog is. But an imaginary dog will never make me get up in the middle of the night and walk him in the snow. An imaginary dog I will never have to clean up after. An imaginary dog I won't have to think about when I go on vacation. An imaginary dog will never have to go to the vet. Right? That's the way people think about God. But John says, Jesus has come. And Jesus isn't some subjective experience. Jesus is objectively real. He's a real person, which means that you can have relationship with him. But that also means that when you have a relationship with Jesus, he will change you. If a dog, if just having a dog can change my life so much that I will not want a dog, even though the person I love more than anything in the whole world wants a dog, then how much more will the living God change me if I have a relationship with him? Listen, if you have a relationship with Jesus, he will change the way you relate to people. He will change the way, if you're married, he will change the way you approach marriage. Jesus will change the way you approach your work. Jesus will change the way you approach your friends, the way you approach school, the way you approach your sport, the way you approach your money, the way you approach every single thing. Jesus Christ will make you reimagine your entire life because of him. Jesus will change you. If Jesus is not changing you, it may be because you just know about him but you don't really know him. So John starts out by saying, you can know God. You can know you know him. In fact, this is the way C.S. Lewis writes about it. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Mere Christianity, which is just a great book. He says this, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. All right. So John says, you can know God, you can know you know him, and then what you do when you know him. This is verse 4. He says this, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John says, I'm going to write to you about Jesus because it will make my joy complete. How does that work? Well, you know how that works. Right? I was sitting on the couch the other night in my house, and I was uh, looking at my phone, and I saw a funny video. Uh, it was just a silly video of uh, different animals falling, but it made me laugh out loud. 
So when I, uh, the video lasted like, I don't know, a minute and a half, two minutes. And as soon as, as soon as it was over, I looked over at my wife, she was on the other couch, and I said, hey, come here, look, look at this, watch this. And I showed it to her again. I watched it while she watched it. And I laughed again. Why did I want to watch it with her? Well, the answer is joy. Joy, whenever you experience anything that is just amazing or that is funny or that is wonderful, you want to share it with somebody. It's the natural response. And so this is true. That if you're here tonight and you know God, you know you know him, Jesus has been changing you, then the next thing you need to do is find somebody to tell. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to, to think of somebody right now. Just let, let God bring somebody to your mind right now that you are pretty sure does not know Jesus. And then in a minute, when I pray, I want you to pray that, that God would allow you to share with that person sometime soon about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Because you know God, and because you know you know him, then let's pray for those who don't, and let's share with them. All right? And the reason we do that is because for Jesus and for all of us, love matters most. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we uh, come to you, and I am so, so grateful that you have allowed us to be intimate with God the Father, that what Moses could never experience, we can experience because you have come. I thank you that you are real and that we can have relationship with you, and through that relationship, you will change us in big ways and small ways. And then I thank you that you give us the opportunity to share with people that we may experience the joy of watching them come to know you as well. John said to people, I want you to know what I know. I want you to experience what I experience. I want you to have what I have. We want the same thing. I pray for the people that we have in our minds right now. I pray that you will prepare them, and I pray that you will give us each an opportunity to share with them what it means to have a relationship with you. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen.